listening to a sermon from Hebron Baptist Church, a church in the northern Kentucky Cincinnati area that's committed to making disciples who make disciples. We want our love for God to be evident in our lives and for the Word of God to bear fruit as we go on mission across the street and around the globe. We hope after hearing this message, you'll connect with us on our website at hebronbaptist.org and visit our campus, not far from I-275 in Hebron, some Sunday morning. And now, here's a message from God's perfect, life-changing Word. Turn into your copies of God's Word to John chapter 16 and verse 16. We'll read to verse 22. Today we're, that's page 959, if you want to use the Pew Bible that's in front of you, uh, that you want to follow along in that translation. Today we are continuing our series called Gift Exchange, uh, where we bring gifts to the Lord, the things that we know that is not ours, but instead receive what is the glorious gift from Him. And these last few weeks we've looked at how we exchange our worry uh, for hope and uh, how, how we exchange uh, the things of this earth for the things from Christ. And today we want to look at giving God our sorrow that we might receive his joy. So let us read beginning in John chapter 16 and verse 16. A little while and you will no longer see me. Again, a little while and you will see me. Then some of his disciples said to one another, what is he telling us? A little while and you will not see me, and again in a while you will see me, because I'm going to the Father? They said, what is this? He is saying, a little while. We don't know what he's talking about. Jesus knew they wanted to ask him, and so he said to them, are you asking one another about what I said? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while you will see me? Truly I tell you, you will Weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, and your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she no longer remembers the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. So you also have sorrow now. But I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy from you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask you this morning as we meet together as your people, we come expectantly to your word because we know in the word is life. And we know this season that sometimes that we, our hearts can wander and be distracted. And Lord, we come this morning knowing that it is in this word that you have given us hope and joy. And we come asking you to give it to us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This time of year can be filled with joy. You get together seeing people that around the holiday that you haven't seen, maybe in a very long time. It's kind of like a, a class reunion, except for that you don't have to fake about liking everybody, because it is your family, and you do like everybody. Even when you wake up and Cousin Eddie has come to stay unexpectedly, 
or maybe not Cousin Eddie, some crazy cousin, uncle, or somebody that you know that is really going to get things moving. Things are going to get a little bit crazy because they're here. You're excited because of the family that you know that you get to spend together with. But also this time of year, as you gather, it becomes clear to many people that it's not a joyful time. That it is a time of mourning, a time of grief. Because as you gather, there are people there that weren't there maybe last Christmas. Or maybe there's a season where you're reminding of Christmas's past where you see these people and remember these stories and remember your family and remember your friends because you've lost them and they've gone to be with Jesus. It reminds me of one of the songs in Les Miserables after one of the, uh, the, the revolutions and, and they realize that they've lost a lot of their friends. It's the song called Empty Chairs at Empty Tables. I think it catches the grief that maybe some of us feel in the holidays. It says there's a grief that can't be spoken. There's a pain goes on and on. Empty chairs at empty tables. Now my friends are dead and gone. Phantom faces at the window. Phantom shadows on the floor. Empty chairs at empty tables where my friends will meet no more. Maybe at Christmas you are remembering these shadows of Christmas's past. I remember when after both the deaths of my grandparents that that next Christmas was different. There was just something different about it. It wasn't the same. And many of us in this time are tempted to grieving to despair. And today I hope that you would see that the scriptures would tell us that we can grieve, but that and we grieve differently. We grieve with hope that we must guard our hearts to not fall into despair. That in the midst of this grief, Jesus can bring us joy. And that is what Jesus is teaching his disciples here. In the midst of his teaching his disciples that he is going to go to be crucified and resurrected, he speaks to them as only a friend, as only a savior, as only a comforter that he can be. He reminds them that their grief will be short and that the joy in him will be great and lasting. And this time of year, we get to celebrate the arrival of a wonderful counselor. And this time of year, we need to hear the words of Jesus, that our sorrow cannot remain, but instead we can receive his joy. In this passage, we will see three ways Jesus comforts us through our grief. The first is this, if you're taking notes. Jesus comforts us by reminding us he walked through grief for us. Jesus comforts us by reminding us he walked through grief for us. Verse 16 through 19, Jesus sets the stage of what he's teaching his disciples. A little while and you will no longer see me. And again, a little while you will see me. Hear this confusing statement to Jesus, the disciples, as we see, still have no comprehension of what Jesus is doing or what he's about to do. We can face grief and death because Jesus has experienced it for us. And Jesus here is telling the disciples 
that he will go away for a while, and then in a little while you will see me again. There's a lot of different commentators and people who believe different things or think this speaks to other things in Scripture. But it's very clear that Jesus here, it makes in most sense in context that he's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. That Jesus is saying that you are going to see me in a little while, you're not going to see me, and then you're not going, in a little while, you're going to see me again. That through the death on the cross, I will be buried. You will be mournful, but then in a little while, you will rejoice because you see me again. Jesus, to die for us, helps us to see this promise. The most fitting person that we can turn to is him. Because in our grief, we know he has already gone through it for us. Isaiah 53 reminds us of this. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what, no, who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised and we didn't value him. Yet, he himself bore our sickness and he carried our pains. But we in turn regarded him stricken, struck down by God and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him and we are healed by his wounds. Friends, it is the Christ, it is Jesus who has gone ahead of us, who has grieved ahead of us, who has lost ahead of us, who has died ahead of us that we can go to in our grief. When I was in high school, I had a friend that was in the chemistry class that I was in, but in a different period. And we would always, I was always nervous. Chemistry was my, one of my least favorite classes. The only reason why I liked it was because the teacher was a little different. And uh, I'll tell that story in a different day. But uh, that was made it tolerable. But I did not do well in the class. It was just hard. And so uh, I had a friend in the period before me. And I would, if it was test day or quiz day, I would try to get there early and I would wait at the door and I would say, well, how was it? <laughs> how was it going to be? And they would say, oh, you'll be fine. You'll be fine. It would make me feel more confident going into it. Or there are some days like, oh, you just might as well just know that you're getting an F on this. You just, uh, you did not study. I did not study enough. You did not study enough. And so it would get me, oh gosh, what am I going into? Well, isn't it good to know that in times of grief and sorrow that there's someone that we can turn to who's already gone through it? We can turn to Christ. At Christmas, we are reminded that Emmanuel, God with us, has come. God stepped out of heaven. He wrapped himself in flesh. He died the death we should have died. He went through persecution. He went through grief. He went through loss. He experienced hunger. He experienced thirst. There is nothing that we will go through that Jesus hasn't already been through. And the good news is that we have a mighty counselor who has come that we can go to knowing that he loves us and cares for us and that knows exactly what we're going through.
and that weeps just as much as we weep and that is hurting just as much as we have hurt. It is in Christ who has bore for us that we can go to him and know what grief is like and that we can find comfort. And ultimately, we can be thankful because Christ bore the wrath for us that death is not ultimate, but God is ultimate. Charles Spurgeon said, Hardly do we lament our sin, but we do not lament that Christ has put it away, nor lament the death by which he put it away. Rather, do our hearts rejoice in his all-atoning agonies, the glory at every mention of that death by which he has reconciled us to God. It is a joy to think that he has taken on himself our personal sin and carried it right away. It is in this that we know that Christ has borne the death and any pain and grief that we might experience. In Christ, we know he has gone to death before us. He has gone to the grave and out the other side. He weeps for us and weeps with us. And when you experience grief, the Savior has walked it before us. Maybe you're experiencing grief today. There's many things that the world will encourage you to do. But the first that you should do is to turn to the one who has walked it before you. Turn to Christ. Secondly, Jesus comforts us by refocusing our view on grief's temporary nature. Jesus comforts by refocusing our view on grief's temporary nature. Verse 20 through 21 says, Truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn, but the world will rejoice. You will become sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her time has come. But when she has given birth to a child, she will no longer remember the suffering because of the joy that a person has been born into the world. Jesus comforts us by helping us to see that grief and mourning does not last forever. When John uses the term weep and mourn, he normally, through his writings, uses it for grief. And this verse can only be referring to the grief that the disciples are about to experience when Jesus dies on the cross. Imagine these disciples who have given it all, who have sacrificed it all, to follow this whom they think will become the ruler of all the Jewish people who will conquer heaven and earth and will do everything for him. And yet Jesus teaches that he is going to go to death on the cross. He says that you will mourn and the world will rejoice. See, the world will think that, and Satan will think that they have got the victory. That the Jews and the Romans will think that they've got their victory. They've put to death this, this rabble-rouser, this, this guy who's turning people to blasphemy. They will think that they have won. But he said, your mourning, your grief will turn to joy. This is talking of this transformation of the disciples' attitudes when they see the resurrected Christ again. And this is a promise Jesus gives that is echoed throughout the Old Testament that a joy can come to those who focus on the victory that God gives. 
The victory that God gives his children produces in us a joy that comes even in the midst of loss and of suffering, of, of, of all pain that we might experience. It echoes the words of Psalm 35 that it says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. Friends, there is many times that I've gone to bed grieving over something. Or maybe I've experienced some sort of pain. I've gone to sleep with a headache or a a pain in my body. And yet, when I wake up, it's like a new day has started. The pain is gone. The thing that I had been worried about seems knowing that God has given me a new day can't be as bad as I had made it up to be. It is in this knowing that God is in control, that God is in charge, that joy comes in the midst of grieving. And even in death, we know that God will turn bitterness of death into life. That this world is temporary and it so is its pains and sorrows. Jesus goes on to say that yes, even as a believer, you experience just like a, a woman at childbirth, there's much pain, but in the end, there was great joy of receiving a child. This is a metaphor that is used all throughout the Old Testament, an illustration to see that the patient, the pain that God's people must suffer will come with an immense relief and joy at the advent of the Messiah that has been promised. For a Christian, even in the pain and suffering and grief of death, we know is temporary. Why? Because Jesus, even on the cross, said to the one being hung next to him, today you will be with me in paradise. It's not a long time. It's not forever from now. But today, we see that, that suffering and grief is only tied to this world. And we know that heaven is our joy, and heaven will one day bring us much joy. And it is in that eternity that we must understand that this grieving will only be for a little while. And the temporary nature of death helps us walk out of grief. But no more so than number three. Because Jesus, number three, comforts by removing grief forever. Jesus comforts by removing grief forever. Look at this bold statement. Jesus says, so you also have sorrow now, but I will see you again. Your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. Jesus is saying here, look, you are going to be sorrowful when I go away because you think that I've been defeated. But when you see me again, you see the resurrected Christ. You see me out on the other side of the grave. Your joy can never be taken from you. 
Because it is in this, is a dawning of a new age, a dawning of an eschatological age, a dawning of a new creation, a new promise, a new hope, a new forgiveness, this new hope that in Christ alone we can be saved because he is the risen Christ. This translation that the CSB uses, your heart will rejoice, is the literal translation in the Greek. It is not just that your mind and your emotions, but your heart will pour out with rejoicing because Christ has overcome the grave. The era of the Holy Spirit, but ultimately the era of life eternal. Isn't this the great promise that is given to us as believers that John foresaw and that we know with, with eternity in mind in Revelation 21 in verses 1 through 4, John said, Then I saw the new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne. God's dwelling is with humanity, and he will live with them, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Isn't this bringing joy to our hearts? That this is our future. Friends, grief is normal. Grief happens. But it can't lead to grief of despair. Because it means that we have lost sight of what is truly eternal and what is temporal. When we grieve into despair, we must guard our hearts because we lose sight sometimes to understanding what is truly true. Friends, death is not true. Death is not forever. Death does not win. Jesus wins. Life wins. Life is eternal in those who hope in Jesus Christ John Calvin, in his commentary on John, observed this. He says, by these words, Christ reminds us what is the true nature of joy. The world must unavoidably be soon deprived of its joy, which it seeks only in fading things. And therefore, we must come to the resurrection of Christ in which there is eternal solidity. This solidity is that joy is true in Christ. The joy that we receive through the sin-atoning death of Jesus and the glorious resurrection will never end. And the sorrow of the cross, though so real and painful now, only belongs to this present evil age. But the resurrection joy comes with wonder and newness and new birth that will last eternal. And when we are grieving, we must grab hold of this truth that Jesus has put death to death and that our grieving 
is not real. It is only a fading sign of this world. That we look to the hope of Jesus who, yes, came to earth and was born as a baby who wrapped himself in flesh but went and to the cross for us and was resurrected and gives us hope. It is in this hope by faith we trust in Christ and we know death no longer has hold on us. It has lost its sting. It is reminded of something that was read on a podcast I had listened to. It was said at the burial of a pastor in 1784, Andrew Gifford. His friend, Dr. John Ryland, performed the funeral. But he would not give up hope or grief to that moment and understanding the hope that we have in the resurrection. This is the type of proclamation we must make at the time of death. This is what we should sing to our hearts. He said this to his friend. He said, farewell, thou dear old man. We leave thee in possession of death until the resurrection day. But we will bear witness against thee, O king of terrors, at the mouth of this dungeon. Thou shalt not always have possession of this dead body. It shall be demanded of thee by the great conqueror. And at that moment thou shalt resign thy prisoner. O ye ministers of Christ, ye people of God, ye surrounding spectators, prepare. Prepare to meet this old servant of Christ at that day. That hour when this whole place shall be nothing but life and death shall be swallowed up in victory. Friends, this is how we must face our grieving hearts. So which of the two should control your heart today? Sorrow or resurrection joy? Which should govern our daily thoughts and attitudes as we face the circumstances of this present evil age? Sorrow or joy? Which should the world see reflected in our lives? sorrow or joy well let me give you just a few things to help us as we respond to grief the first thing that we must respond to grief in is this number one grief is normal grief is a proper response to a loss that you have endured the only way to not grieve is to never love and the fact that we can grieve can be celebration of an excellent gift of God. And yet, in our grief, we must guard ourselves of despair. We are to grieve with hope, as 1 Thessalonians 4 says. We have hope in Christ. We have hope in the power of the resurrection that that person who has trusted in Christ will be resurrected just as Christ has been resurrected and just as we who trust in Christ will be as well. And this is the gift that we have. And to ignore the hope of Christ is to deny the power of the resurrection. So grief is normal. But for a believer, despair should be not. We must guard our hearts from drifting into despair. 
Secondly, we need to trust God daily. Each person, as you think through grief, must embrace the faithfulness of God and cling to him and accept loss and embrace healing and hope. We must refuse to allow our feelings to direct the course of our lives and instead by the renewing of our minds be transformed by trusting Christ even in our grief. Satan will attack and tempt us to think that God does not care. But instead, we know differently. God loves us and is faithful. So we need to trust God for that each day, that God would give us our daily bread, that we would give, he would give us just today the hope that we need, the joy that we need, just to get through today, and then the next day, and then the next day. We need to trust God daily and give encouragement and trust and get encouragement. Our daily walk with God allows time for the Lord to help us through our grief. So number three, we need to read the Bible and pray. This seems to be a common or step, but it is often overlooked to go to our Bibles even when we don't feel like it. That we need to go because we see that in the Bibles there are people grieving and we can learn from it. We can look through the Psalms and see the authors voicing biblical complaint and lament. We can go to see the strength of Job. We can read the sorrows of the Psalms. We can read the faithfulness of God on every page. And we must then go to God and plead for him and ask for joy and peace. And God will answer. And fourth, we need to receive and give comfort. Maybe you're experiencing grief even now. The temptation is for us to go at it on our own. We can get through this. We can buckle down. We can grit it out. But friends, God has given you the gift of other believers and the church that they might come alongside you and use their gifts to encourage you. Accept the meal. Accept the company. Realize that the local church is a vital to believers. And when you need others, that they can be there to lean into and be around you. Allow biblical saints to speak truth into your heart and pray for you. And one thing, when you are ready, you give comfort. God has placed you in the body to give comfort to others who have gone through the same thing. And it is vital to your effort to walk through grief. God will even use this for his glory as you glorify him to help others who are going through something similar. Do not hold back your prayer and advice and encouragement. God will be faithful to you during your grief and you need to pass that on to someone else who needs it as well. And this is a wonderful step as you walk into joy. So maybe you're here today and you're suffering through the fear of death or grief. Maybe it's because you have not trusted Christ for salvation. Maybe fear has trapped you. Maybe you don't understand the nature of grief or what comes on the other side of death. Well, friends, here as we celebrate Christmas, that Jesus came. He did not stay a baby, but he he grew up to save. He died on the cross. And the Bible says, by faith, if we repent and believe, we will be saved. 
And if you do that, you will receive the most mighty gift, the salvation of your hearts, the salvation of your souls, the joy that comes in knowing that your eternity is in God himself and that you will live forever with him. Maybe today you are suffering with grief. Maybe you're a believer. I encourage you to reach out for help and encouragement to others, maybe to the pastors or maybe to a life group leader or, or someone else. Do not stay in despair. Turn to the joy that God has given you and get the help that you need to walk from despair. Brothers and sisters, isn't it good to know that Jesus came because we know in his coming, we have received a wonderful counselor, one that we can turn to in our grief, but the one who made way, the power over death, that will help us exchange our grief for joy. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this this morning as we have come this morning to you, a reminder to our hearts that if it's not now that we experience loss, that now we're not suffering from grief, we will one day. And we pray, God, that as we go through this time, that we would be reminded of the joy that comes in you. And God, I pray this morning as we face and talk of this difficult topic that if there is someone here that does not know you, that you will overwhelm their heart with the love that we have heard about today and of the love of a Savior who has died that gives us hope forever. I pray, God, that they would repent and believe and today would be the day of their salvation. And I pray for those hearts who are being overwhelmed and by grief. Give them encouragement today. Help connect them with another today that would encourage them. But most importantly, Lord, help them to look at your son, Jesus. It's in your precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Hebron Baptist Church. We pray as you have listened, the Holy Spirit has worked in your heart that you may faithfully follow him. Most importantly, we hope that you've been drawn into a relationship with God. At Hebron, we believe that the gospel is the central message of the Bible. The gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, who was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, and died for our sins. But he was raised from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. The most appropriate response to hearing this good news is turning from sin and turning to Christ. Don't stay far from God. Instead, repent and believe in Christ and be brought into an intimate relationship with Him. If you would like more information about this life-changing decision, please contact us through our website at hebronbaptist.org or even better, come see us on a Sunday morning. May God bless you as you follow Him. Amen.